1: Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Today we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How about yourself? Fantastic. I'm uh, I'm excited. I know that we're talking about entrepreneurship and uh, kind of talking about kids too, right?
2: Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot in the past in these podcasts about when I work with clients, we cover five primary areas, one being, you know, wealth preservation, which is, Making sure they're getting a good rate of return. Mm-hmm. Wealth enhancement, talking about tax planning, cash flow, wealth protection, you know, protecting their assets. We really like to work a lot with charitable giving. But the fifth area I always like to cover is what we call wealth transfer. And, you know, I think that advisors, I think I know that we do a I think a good job with the teams we have in making sure that the assets themselves are prepared, you know, to transfer at some point. But I think where what I find when I work with business owners and talk to prospects and clients, um, I, I think the the weakness in a lot of plans is when they're trying to prepare the heirs to ultimately receive the wealth, and that could be, you know, kids, grandkids, but could also be favorite charities. Um, and so today I want to talk about entrepreneurship as one of the tools that I
1: think can be used to prepare heirs. All right, and and when we're talking about that, they're they're not prepared. The the heirs aren't prepared. Is that emotionally, physically, I mean, we're talking about all of it, I'm assuming, kind of bundled together?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the best way to explain it is you, you likely have heard of the cultural proverb where they they say, shirt sleeve to shirt sleeves in three generations. And, you know, that proverb has been found in many, many languages, cultures all around the world, or Many you know, over time. And I think what it means is that there's a pattern of generational wealth where, you know, oftentimes, uh, the first generation, you know, doesn't have wealth and possibly little education, but they they take a risk. They become entrepreneurs. They accumulate it, and you know, like all parents, like probably Eric, like you, like me, you know, we want a better life for our children. Mm-hmm. Um, edu- whether that's education, et cetera, and so oftentimes, you know, the par- the proverb talks about the next generation. They become lawyers, engineers, doctors, maybe financial advisors, or podcast hosts you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. like you then what happens is that typically or historically that second generation the wealth just kind of stagnates but the third generation is where oftentimes you have problems where they you know they get the spoils of the wealth they don't really understand where it came from the sacrifices that it took to to grow Mm -hmm. and so in that proverb they talk about really that fourth generation ends up back in a shirt sleeve again you know versus that attorney or that podcast host so That's really what we're trying to do is create processes um, and, you know, different things people, clients can do, families can do to avoid that and, you
1: know, protect wealth for generations. All right. Sounds good. Where do we start today with this?
2: So the way we start is, you know, again, just addressing that problem, um, you know, that I just talked about with the, the proverb and the solutions really are, you know, Oftentimes, when they when you look at surveys and studies that talk about why wealth doesn't pass successfully or why that next generation is not prepared, it's typically there is a lack of communication, you know, family dynamic issues as a result of maybe lack of trust, um, and in general, just preparing the heirs to receive. Because, you know, I, I've had clients tell me, you know, I just, I'm just trying to teach my kids to respect the dollar what you really need to do is teach them to respect, you know, a million dollars or more Mm -hmm. because that's, what's going to be, you know, drop shipped in their lap at some point. Um, And if they're not prepared, they're just going to blow it. So the solutions are really these planned conversations, these processes we've talked in the past about the family bank, you know, charitable giving projects, formal meetings. Today, I really wanted to talk about one solution that I love because I'm a, a passionate about entrepreneurship. And that is really, talking to your kids um, and finding out if they're really entrepreneurial and if they are supporting those ventures.
1: All right. And that that can be a tricky question because, you know, maybe maybe your grandkid says, you know what, I, I do want to be an entrepreneur and I, I want to open up a marijuana, uh, you know, store, right? I'm in Colorado. I, what do what they call it? A dispensary? Yeah, um, exactly. And, and maybe you don't agree with that. Maybe you either, A, don't agree with it on a moral basis or don't agree with it on a um, a business decision basis. And so I, like you said, there's gotta be some trust. There's gotta be a lot of open communication. Those can be some pretty big hurdles. Is that something that you kind of help your clients tackle as far as how to have these conversations?
2: Yeah. And I, and I think, so we, there's a book by Gino Wickman that I really love. Um, he's the founder of this group called EOS worldwide. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they create a number of leadership programs and, um, He's also author of a book on entrepreneurship and he came up with what he calls six traits that he likes to see. And we have a questionnaire that we kind of go through with clients to to kind of cover those traits because I think it's important that you, you have the conversation, you know, it's like putting, um, I've seen clients put kids in a, you know, a round peg in a square hole where they shouldn't be entrepreneurs because they really, uh, it's just not something for them. For example, I have a, one contractor that I work with that um, they have, he, he passed, uh, the client passed away suddenly and he was very entrepreneurial. Not one of the kids had any interest desire um, that they were in the business, but none of them really felt like they could take the risk and they didn't. And as a result, um, you know, the, the business wasn't t- transitioned to them directly. It was transitioned to people inside the business. Mm-hmm. I have, I have a, another one, a general contractor where, His issue is, you know, all of his kids are in the business and want to be in the business and are very entrepreneurial. So it's a whole set of issues, right? Because now how do we, how do we divide it? How do we find roles and things like that? But this questionnaire really can help, you know, because not everyone should be or wants to be an entrepreneur, but the ones who do, I think you can really direct a lot of resources towards support them. And I think it'll help prepare them for
1: wealth. Yeah. Fantastic. Again, I wouldn't want to be in either one of those people's shoes, right? I mean, that's, that's tough. Having your kids all want to take over, which is a great thing for the, the energy. However, trying to run it with a bunch of siblings, that, that could be tough in, in and of itself. So I know that you, we've, we've talked on previous podcasts that you actually kind of help with that as well when you are helping the, the siblings decide what the strengths are and, and who's going to do what roles and you kind of walk through that. Being that third party, I think, is a huge advantage for you because it does take some of the uh, pressure off of mom and dad or grandma and grandpa when it comes to having to have those tough conversations. And so I know that through this worksheet and through what we're going to talk about today, we'll get a better picture of that, Um, but I want the audience to keep that in mind that these aren't easy conversations and to have somebody on your side that can be kind of that neutral party almost or, you know, quote unquote, play the bad guy uh, which we don't want to say because you actually end up being the good guy. But having those conversations, they're not easy. Exactly.
2: And one of the things that, that you can do and one of the things we work with business owners on is walking through this initial checklist about entrepreneurship because hopefully you can identify which of your kids are entrepreneurial, which ones are not, and maybe avoid some of the conversa- the, bad, you know, the tough conversations mm-hmm. you would have in the future. So we could jump right into the six if, if you're all ready.
1: Ready. Let's do it.
2: Okay. So according to his book, and, and I believe this is a really big one, is trait number one is you're a visionary. And and I think what that means is you have the ability to connect the dots uh, to see the big picture. You know, it doesn't mean you have to be, you know, Steve Jobs and invent Apple or Thomas Edison, but you have to see the big picture. And, you know, one of the greatest examples I have, it's one of my favorite, favorite uh, family and client is uh, this company called Task Force Tips. And you know, back, in back in 1955, I believe, there was a Clyde McMillan, uh, my client's father. He was injured in a fire. He was a volunteer fireman injured in a fire. I think I believe it was Gary, Indiana. And it was due to a faulty uh, nozzle, a hose nozzle, you a know, fire hose nozzle. Hmm. And years later, and I've seen the napkin, he literally sketched the very first automatic nozzle design on a napkin in his kitchen. In the family house. And as today, uh, Eric, you could go around the country and any city you're in, if you went into a firehouse, you would likely see a task force tips nozzle on the fire hose. So that was a, it just a great example of, of someone who had a vision. Mm-hmm. And he is so passionate about firemen and in particular volunteer firemen and protecting them. And, and it resulted in an enormous entrepreneurial venture.
1: Yeah. And so he's a problem solver as well. I mean, huge. exactly, yeah
2: you he saw a problem, and he he saw the solution um and and he was able to execute that's great um the second trait that Wickman talks about in his book is passion and and as you can imagine, i mean when you're an entrepreneurial like you are, Eric, there are times when you think, oh boy, you know the the tough times, you really need to be passionate about what you're doing in order to keep going
1: mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. and the example I like to use when I talk to my clients about it is selfishly is my son, Brendan. So my son, Brendan, he, I think in fourth or fifth grade, concluded he was not going to be in the NBA. Mm. And um, he started following a different passion, which was improv. And, you know, to this day, uh, all the way through high school, through college, he did a lot of improv. And he's always had this, this passion to uh, be out in Hollywood and be an actor when he got there five years ago, he was told, "Well, you can't really make money in improv, but if you can be good at stand-up, you can." You can. Um, so he said to himself, "All right, in four years, I'm going to be good at this." And he literally did open mic nights and you know <laughs> things like that and, and for four years. And he just recently uh, was you know invited and uh, uh, was at a uh, Montreal Comedy Fest. Wow. My point is, that's great. He, he is so passionate about what he wants. You know, I always joke that he could have been an accountant like me, but uh, <laughs> he chose his own path because yeah. that's what he wanted to be. And as you can imagine in that industry, there's always rough times, but I believe his passion has really pushed him through and gotten him there.
1: Well, and again, the other word that I would couple with this is courage. I mean, he, he had to have a tremendous amount of courage, and anybody who has a passion, that's great, but you've also got to have that courage to take that step. And being able to recognize that trait in your children or grandchildren, um, we all want to be able to say, "Oh, my kids are great. My kids do this. My kids do that." Uh, but you really have to look at it from a business perspective, and that can be tough. I mean, it's uh, my son works really, really hard. He's a mechanic, and we were just talking the other day, and they they work on flag rate. He flags seventeen hours worth of work in one day. I'm like, wow. I mean, he's wow. working hard. I mean, in I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's passionate, quote unquote. But he's hard worker and he has that courage to, you know, keep working and 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 do tackle other tasks, learn more and learn more. He's always wanting to learn more as he goes. And I know Brendan, you and I've talked about him before. Uh the, the passion that that young man has, and the, the 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 fact that a he is really funny. Uh, but also <laughs> the the courage to do that for four years to do the improv. That's I mean, it's hard for people to see that in their own kids a lot of times, especially when we're thinking they may take one path and. You know, then do another. Um, so, how do your clients receive that when you talk about that? As far as do they have passion? Um, are you able to help them recognize true passion, or maybe they think their kids have passion, but it's not exactly right?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it is when you, when you have the conversation and you talk about passion with your kids, um, it's it's a lot of it is listening, questioning, mm. and and you know because. I had a conversation yesterday with a client where I I agreed that there are things that I can talk to their kids about that, if they said the same thing, uh, wouldn't have the same impact because I'm independent and partial and it's just not coming from them. And that's the same with my kids. There are things, Eric, that you could recommend to (laughs) my kids. If I said the same thing, they might, you know, some of them would probably listen to you. So a lot of it's emotional, but the point is you just have to listen during this phase when you're, you know, when you're investigating the passion
1: yeah, to find absolutely. out what
2: the passion is. I mean, what is your son's passion? You know, that you could probably dive deeper in and really find out why he is working so hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and I think it's funny because you, you, you hit it on the head. All of us his parents have said, look, I've been telling you the same thing for the past three years. Your <laughs> no. uncle, your uncle walks in the door, and you think it's a brand new genius idea. <laughs> what the heck's the deal here? So exactly, I think we've all been through it. So, yeah. all right, what's that next trait?
2: So the next trait is they're problem solvers, and that mm. you know gets to the comment you made um, about being the visionary. And you know, by the nature, problem solvers are very—they're um, looking for solutions all the time, and, and in general, they're they're uh, optimistic. I would say. So, like, I have one client who is in the hotel business, and I mean, when I when I talk to him, I I just love listening to what he's doing because if you Eric, if you drive around the country and you see the the transformation of hotels between the you know the old ones that had you know the the rooms were bigger, um, you know, and people are just the 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 dynamics are changing, and he has been involved. As he's built hotels with uh, some of the largest you know, hotel industry corporations in the world, helping them design these next generation uh, models for this, the next generation millennials user. So, you know, this is somebody who is a problem solver. He saw in the towns that he was in that not, not just that some of his hotels needed to be up, updated, but they need to be changed for the new generation and how they're using hotels. Um, so he's he's out there solving problems, and he's, as a result, it's just fun talking to him.
1: Yeah, that's that's somebody that would be fun to talk to just because of the fact that we know so many things are impacting the hotel industry like Airbnb and all these other things. They've got to reinvent themselves. So, again, that's exactly a problem solver. What, what a problem solver does is when when something else comes in on your industry and can kind of threaten it, you've got to figure that out. So that, that's great. I, he would be someone that I'd love to talk to
2: yeah and and that also gets to the fourth traits which is they're driven and mm-hmm. driven what that really refers refers to is there's a sense of urgency so you know just using uh jeff again the, the example with the hotels you know he has a he's super competitive he's very tenacious self motivated but he's also has this this sense of urgency that if we don't make the change if i don't solve the problem you know and if we don't do it soon uh, competition is going to come get me. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um and you know, I, I like to talk to people about the example of apple when when Steve Jobs was replaced or fired or eliminated and they, or the first time from Apple, and they brought in, I think, uh, someone from Pepsi or Coca-Cola, I think it was Pepsi. But anyway, the, the person really didn't have the same drive, passion, or sense of urgency, and the Apple just floundered. And when he came back, when Jobs came back, you could really see the product innovation and the drive for new products just accelerate. So mm-hmm. they have to have a sense of urgency, and that's the fourth trait, which they call you know being driven to, uh, to some, accomplish
1: some goal. Yeah, absolutely. That's important. All right, what's our fifth trait?
2: And then the fifth one, really, um, this is the, they have to be a risk taker. And my experience, and based on everything I read, is that this is one of those areas that you'll knock a lot of people out because they just inherently, not for good or bad, just don't, want to take the risk or not willing to, to uh, you know, endure the stress related to some of the risks, you know. Um, I have a, a good friend and a client um, who is, you know, he could be running, he's a PhD, he could be running university, you know, um, biology and chemistry departments. He's, he's brilliant. And he just had this idea 15, 20 years ago that there was a better way to, to make steel, And, um, he, it wasn't, he had to beta test it, which cost a lot of money. He went out to over a period of years and years, went out to Silicon Valley from the Midwest, you know, got his, his concept tested, got funded, which was just amazing and and took the risk of quitting a job, quitting safety, uh, moving the family out to California. Um, and I could tell you, it's been a struggle there, there. The, the way the business looks now is different from what he thought it would look like initially. And he's, I guess maybe nine or 10 years into it, but he had the drive. He was the problem solver, but most importantly, he was willing and able to take the risk. And he had a family, a spouse, his wife, his kids who were also willing to, to take that ride with him because you can't do it alone. That's for sure.
1: Wow. Yes. California is risk. I'll just, <laughs> just say it right now. Just the, how expensive it's out there. I mean, he had to, he had to get funding just to be able to live there. Uh, wow. But it, to have a supportive spouse, I think is incredibly important for these folks too. And I, it's interesting that you say that because do you see that playing out with your clients when you talk about the kids or the grandkids and being able to kind of look through these traits and do you, do you kind of have that private conversation? Okay, your grandson, you're, you're interested in having him run this business, so on and so forth, or you know, kind of stretch out on his own with you know some, some support from you. But does he have the support from the rest of his family? And speaking of his, his spouse, does he have that support or does she have that support from her, from her spouse? Exactly. You know,
2: when I graduated from college, I became a CPA. I worked for one of the big eight, eight at that time, big eight accounting firms. And I remember when I first left and went on my own, you know, which was just three years later, and you know, I had the sense where Nancy was thinking, "Well, you know, I, I married an accountant. <laughs> I didn't marry a risk-taking entrepreneur right and um, but she was her father had been a phenomenal entrepreneur, so she had grown up in a family where she had had that experience. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a lot of it. So when you look back at your history, your parents, your 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 mentors, your key people who have influenced you, if they've been entrepreneurial, and you've seen that, you're more likely to be willing to accept the risk. It doesn't mean that you can't if your parents were, you know, a teacher's, let's say. But um, it just, that that this is a really big one. And I've walked down the path with a number of kids of, of some of my clients where in the end, they decided, no, this is not for me. I, I want to get a job. And that's not bad because they they become to that realization. And I think that's great.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's the thing. You just have to get to that point where you can say, is this the right thing to do, or is this something that we need to, to rethink? So,
2: yeah. And I think that the worst case is you walk down the path and you decide it's not for you and you're better for that, you Mm -hmm. know, for walking down the path. I really think that's
1: true. Absolutely.
2: And then the sixth trait, this is the final one is we call it responsible or responsibility. And I think that the common thing with um, entrepreneurs is the kind of the buck stops here. They, they take responsibility for the outcomes you know I, I look at the ultimate entrepreneurs that I've met in my life as farmers i mean i I I talk to them, and I still can't believe all the risk they take. you mm-hmm. know everything's contingent on weather on on prices that they can't control uh, the cost of the inputs, the cost of the the prices of the crops yet they they don't blame it on the weather. You don't hear them complaining about you know too much rain or I mean they certainly are aware of it and they talk about it but it's the risk they take and it's the responsibility is on them for the outcomes that they give. And I have another, one of my favorite best friends I I would think in my uh, client, he's a general contractor and that's what he's like. Everything is, I mean, things go haywire every day in his business on projects that, you know, they're managing and trying to complete on time and on budget. And he's just, there's no excuses. Things come up, we deal with them, we take responsibility, and we move on. And so I've I've emulated a lot of his techniques and his strategies, and I've learned a lot from him. He takes responsibility
1: for everything. Yeah, and thats I think that that's one of the harder ones of all these traits to be able to identify in a family member. You want to think the best of family a lot of times, and you want to say they're responsible, or you kind of push that where maybe they just don't have a, a tremendous amount of maturity yet but they're going to get there, right? I mean, we, we want to say that, although they'll be fine, right? In, in a couple of years, they're going to be exactly where we need them to be. But are you rushing something before they're actually proving that they're going to be responsible and be able to take that responsibility? Uh, because, and I'm speaking for myself, 100% for myself, not for Tim, not for anybody else uh, associated with this podcast, but I see so often um, in this, current generation of, of younger folks, there's not a whole lot of responsibility for their own actions. Uh, I'm not, I'm not talking about millennials. I'm not labeling anybody, uh, but there's just a lot of excuses that have been used. And that's just what I've seen as a, as a trend. And so to be able to give them that time to mature or help them to mature to the point where they understand it's doesn't matter what the situation is. I have to take responsibility to help fix the outcome right i have to be that problem solver i have to be passionate about that doing you know going back to all these different traits i have to be driven to be able to to take on that task take on that challenge have that sense of urgency to fix whatever's broken instead of saying hey this is out of my control i didn't have anything to do with this i would think that's another tough conversation tim
2: it is and you know going back to the the proverb we talked about shirt sleeve to shirt sleeves in three generations and i think one of the key things in there is as parents we all want a better life for our children. Yes. And so oftentimes we are the problem. True. <laughs> you know, I, I look at the university system where, you know, I, I talked to my wife who was in, in that system. And oftentimes parents are, are calling about specific grades. And I look back and I think, boy, you know, my, my parents didn't know it. Oh, you know, they weren't helicopters. Mm-hmm. And, 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 yeah, they wanted a better life for me. But they didn't want to dictate as much, maybe, um, what that life would look like. And so I really think that this entrepreneurial checklist is a phenomenal conversation. It's a great um, eye opening experience when you talk to your kids. And it, it allows you to be honest with yourself about your kids. You know, what is it that they want? I don't want to push something down to them. Um, and do they really have these traits? And again, I really think they need all six. I, I think that. If you don't have all six, oftentimes people will partner with people who have some of them. You know, mm-hmm. it is, Somebody absorbs more of the risk, um, anxiety related to that, et cetera. So you don't have to have all six if you're in a, maybe in a partner with somebody who, who can also share that. So I just think this is a wonderful, wonderful tool for transparency, discussion, and in preparing the kids for receiving both.
1: All right, besides writing them down as we've been talking about them in this podcast, how can they get this list and, and kind of begin to look at it? Sure.
2: So, if anyone who wants can go to our website and they, or they can, we have resources that they can download. Um, they could also go to the podcast website and, and click there, um, or they can call me at 219 246 5370 or connect with me on email with at at hightoweradvisors.com.
1: Fantastic. And and not plugging any specific book, but Gino Wickman, he has done a wonderful job with different books. I I have really uh, learned and gathered a lot from his book, Traction. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. Uh, Yeah, that's a great book. Yeah, it's a great book. So he he does wonderful work. And I know that you, Tim, would have no problem having a discussion with folks if they were to pick up Entrepreneurial Leap by uh, Gino Wickman and and read through it, I know that you'd love to talk about it with him because you've gleaned so much from it. And uh, I know it's a, it's a great, great read. Yeah. And we've used a lot of the tools that he talks about, so I can give you some
2: feedback on the, the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: Perfect. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Tim. This is a fantastic podcast. And thank you for listening to the Wealth Stream podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family and those that you're thinking about right now that, you know what, this is a conversation I could have, or maybe it's even somebody who you'd like to have this conversation with so they can help kind of talk to you about your kids, maybe it's your brother or sister, somebody that knows them well that you could bring in to help you shape them to, to do the things that you're hoping that they can accomplish. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day. Every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth Stream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of High Tower Great Lakes. High Tower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with High Tower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with High Tower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through High Tower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through High Tower Advisors LLC.